How do we optimise our state of mind so that we can bring our best to the long run in sport and in life? I'm Eloise Wellings, two-time Olympic athlete, and together with my mental skills coach, Rory Darkins, we are here to help you unlock your marathon state of mind. All right, our next guest I'm so excited about. We have been friends for over 20 years. She is a four-time Olympian. She is considered the greatest of all time uh, amongst the running community, especially in Australia. Uh, World cross-country champion, new mum, Benita Willis. B, welcome. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks. Oh, it's lovely. Um, yeah, pretty pretty nice of you to say all those things. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, um, I'm really excited to be on, and I've heard I've heard lots of your episodes before, and um, yeah, just great to have a chat, and um, yeah, love sharing my story, but also just love hearing stories from everyone else that um that you guys have on. Yeah, great. Well, um, let's let's chat about the record, <laughs> the recently yeah. broken, broken record. Your record held for. Was it 18 years? Yeah, six, about 16, I 16 think. Um, 16 years. 16-year-old yeah. marathon record. Um, you know, you have left such a legacy for us women to chase after. And so, you know, Sinead has said she's had a, a couple of cracks at this record and, you know, you raised the bar so high. Um, and for so many years, you know, many mm. of us or many of the women uh, marathon runners, I'm hoping to have a crack at it eventually but yeah mm. just um you know what we what were your thoughts about Sinead's run last weekend it's absolutely fantastic you know like I knew um I knew Valencia was a fast course but um I actually I was so busy with Poppy that day I um I didn't realize that when, when it actually started but um but yeah I got a few messages um and one was from you and um, a few people about that record and um and I was just so happy for Sinead I mean like obviously, you know, you want records to be broken because you want to see the depth in the sport and people coming through. And um, you know, I'm pretty pretty honoured to have held that record for such a long time because we have had such good depth um, for for years in women's marathoning in Australia. So um, yeah, to see and she smashed it as well, which was awesome. Um, and it's always risky when you're going for a record like that. It's very risky in the first half running so fast through halfway. Um, and I know she's had a few cracks, but. Um, but certainly she's had a few marathons that haven't gone her way even this year um, and to come back from disappointment to run that sort of time and, and so fast and, and such a risky race as well is um, phenomenal. And for someone like her to break it, like she's an absolutely awesome person, like fantastic athlete and, um, yeah, and great role model and I, I'm happy to pass it on to her. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so many people uh, in in my network and, and in the running community around where I live have mentioned, you know, the words that you put out on social media and how moved um, they were around that, you know, such gracious words um, and encouraging words to, towards Sinead and congratulating her. And, you know, I just love that because it just, it highlights that the person that you are to be that um you know happy to pass it on and happy that you know the 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 um women's running is is thriving in Australia as you said um yeah so that was awesome that was just a bit of a side note yeah and can I um can I ask I want to take this opportunity to go back into your record run um yeah I'd love to know what that experience was like for you and you know um bring up as much detail as as you like about 
you know, how you went about it, what it was like through it, and then, you know, your reflections from it as well, um, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. So it was in 2006 at Chicago Marathon and um, I hadn't run a marathon since the start of 2005 going into that race just because um, my marathons hadn't hadn't gone that well. I'd only run two marathons at the time. So I ran New York in 2004, which didn't go very well. I ran 238 there. And then at the start of 2005, I did London Marathon. I ran 226, so a big improvement. Um, and then I just raced on the track and shorter races. Um, you know, well, I did World Cross, obviously, and all those sort of races. Um, had a really good World Cross at the start of 2006. I came fourth in the short course and the long course race um, in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was running really well. I set, um, I set the Australian uh, 10K road record. And I was also running 407 for 1500. Um, just before I started my marathon prep for that wow. Chicago marathon. So I did that at Prefontaine. How's your dip? Um, yeah, yeah well, life? that's, I remember, yeah, I, I think I ran 31.17 or whatever the national 10K road record is. I did that in Manchester that year as well. Um, yeah. And, yeah, going into that race in Chicago, um, I knew I was going to run a good marathon. Um, I, I had come second at the Great North Run leading into it, um, but I didn't really know exactly what I'd run I, I didn't wear GPS watches um, I just wore a watch that said the time and I mean you could time things but you couldn't see the pace um, mm. and I remember yeah I went through halfway in 7010 um, and it wasn't a paced race it was just a, a race a pack race like a normal race like a track race um, no pacemakers um, and there was men mixed in with us and it was really windy and mm. I remember um, thinking at the start look if I'm going to run well here I need to sort of sit in with as many people as I can and there was these Russians and um, I remember they kept looking back and swearing at me I think I think in Russian because (laughs) they they didn't like me sitting on them and I'm just like well there's no one to head the wind so I'm just going to sit on you like um and I I I still remember that race I missed a few drinks I didn't have any gels and I only had a few sips of drinks um because it was it was cold it was very windy but it was it was very cold so I didn't feel like drinking much and I never I never used gels in those days either. I just had a few sips of a sports drink. And, um, yeah, I remember at one, one drink station I went to get my drink and then one of the Japanese girls' drinks hooked around my arm because they had these big hooks over the top. Yeah. So I ended up p- grabbing a few extra ones on the way, and <laughs> yeah, which is a funny thing. But I remember getting to 30K thinking. Did you take a sip um, of like, that? Just... Yeah, I took, I took, no, I, I threw it down <laughs> You didn't away. take Hopefully a quick someone... swig and then pass it on? Uh, no, I should, no, I didn't. <laughs> I thought I was hoping someone put it back on the table because they obviously hadn't got there uh, when I got my drink off the table. But yeah, I remember that was. Um, and then there was guys in the race that kept sort of running right near us and sort of like. Um, and Constantina Dita, who's this Romanian that won um, Beijing Olympics in the marathon, she went out really fast. Like she went out in sixty-seven or something. And in those days, that was very fast. And she ended up blowing up. Um, and I remember it was easy till about. Um, 30k 35k and then I felt re- like it was and that was after about 30k you start coming back into Chicago into the finish and it's really there's a massive headwind the whole way mm. and um that was really hard but I remember um seeing passing heaps of guys with like brown brown stains on their legs thinking I'm thinking what what is this oh, and then no. it was just yeah a few people that had a missed a few toilet stops but, um, oh gosh you know things that you oh, gosh. and yeah. I was thinking I thought I was running slow like I I didn't know what pace I was doing and I passed Constantina Dita. So I knew I'd run up into third. So I was coming fourth or fifth a lot of the way. Mm. Um, and I was just pumped to be coming third. And then um, I remember 
I thought I was just running really slow and I turned the corner to see the clock and the clock was like for, uh, 2.22 and I was like, oh, I'm running fast. Like, <laughs> but I had no idea and I, I had no idea I was running that fast. Um, so when I finished, I knew I'd, I'd broken the national record because I knew what it was, but I wasn't, I, I didn't go into the race thinking I was going to do that. I was sort of more focusing on the race and I tended to run better um, thinking about races like world cross country and thinking about a race rather than a time trial or a mm. pace I never ran well in paced races. I always ran well, yeah, when I was just racing whoever's there. Um, And that was the sort of thought process in that race. And, um, yeah, so I I couldn't believe the time I ran. Um, But having said that, you know, Lisa Rondiki, you know, Olympic silver medalist, and she'd won New York um, and Osaka marathon. So she had the record before me. And I, I think she was a better marathoner than me. I just had one faster marathon. Um, but yeah, to do that, I was, yeah, Today, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And like that, and that was, a fun, and that was my third marathon and I never ran a better one. What's noteworthy to me about that is you didn't even know the time. Yeah. And do you yeah. reckon that helped not having like split every K and mm. that? Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. Um, and I ran a couple of marathons with pacemakers and I never ran as well. Um, mm. and they weren't pacemakers specifically, for me more so for you I knew the pace that they were running and I preferred to sort of yeah I just preferred to sort of have a low profile and just race the race mm. rather than um a time trial and mm. um and I always liked to be an underdog I never liked to be someone that everyone expected to win a race so um probably because I'd improved four minutes from my previous marathon to that one people probably didn't expect I'd run quite as well Mm. um but I had the speed so it was just a matter of yeah if I could actually run a bit faster over the marathon yeah so I think I definitely that that was definitely my nature and even in on the track and on the road I um shorter road races I always ran better just in a race rather than a time trial um or with yeah with someone that was pacing um pacing me um but yeah who knows like it's one of those things we didn't have as much yeah you're always a fierce competitor B I remember every every time you know I lined up against you I'm like this is gonna this is gonna be hard this is gonna be a hard race because B's just fierce when it when you're standing on the starting line yeah. in between the start line and the finish line she's gonna want to win yeah. so it was always going to be a hard race I actually remember <laughs> your build-up towards um Chicago Marathon towards breaking that record because um that was one of my first years in Europe on the track and Johnny was actually doing some of your physiotherapy before in the lead up to yeah it's funny because Johnny's not a physio (laughs) um (laughs) uh but he was like cracking your ankles and doing some of your massage and everything so that's that's really cool he claims some yeah he he claims some ownership yeah oh he um yeah he helped heaps um because yeah like he was doing all my physio um yeah and massa like he was awesome and also my sister came to london mm. and she was riding the bike a lot with me and um and she'd never been to europe for, before for racing um so yeah so that lead up yeah it was quite um an unusual year but like but like really fun and relaxed and i think i always ran well when i wasn't tense or worried about stuff and yeah. um yeah that was a big key for me going into that race as well mm. um, well just one more thing on that sorry to geek, geek out so early um what with that when you sort of felt like you're running your best in those kind of more competitive focus environments rather than thinking about time or you know the watch judgment every kilometer um what was the difference in your state of mind between those times when you felt like at your best there versus times when you felt like um you know something was holding you back 
I think I felt more tense um, like and, and felt like I was under more pressure when I was trying to hold a certain pace, even though I didn't have a Garmin. But like, say, if, you're, if I'm thinking about track races, that didn't go quite like I had a lot of bad 10K track races where I knew the paces, even, you know, even if you didn't wear a GPS watch, you know what pace you're on. And I never ran as well. So I think I felt more free when I could just relax and just um, focus on the racing and being competitive without thinking, oh, mm. what time am I going to do? Um, yeah. Because I always ran well in cross country um, and I just think it was because of the racing and, and my mind used to relax even though it was hard and I'd ha- I had people to tell me when I raced world cross, how do you get out so fast? I've had people say that and I just had this instinct. It's just always happened um, and I, I'm always able to do it and to focus and um, to finish well. But I think, yeah, for me mentally um, when I've got a pace and I, I feel like things are ticking away it just um, used to eat at me in my mind and my body used to tense up and I never ran as well so Mm. I don't and it's probably something I should have addressed during my career which I never even thought about or looked at Mm. I just thought you know that was a bad race but you know when you think about you Mm. look back at things and you you sort of have a bit more wisdom Um, yeah Yeah, totally and was that sense of freedom something that you loved about running when you felt like the opposite of tense when you just felt like you could focus on you know on giving it everything oh yeah and look I grew up running on the beach with my dad um mm. and that was really all we did was um just some runs on the beach and that's freedom to me um and sort of that I could I could sort of um create that atmosphere when I was doing cross country and and when I was in races that I'm just racing um and I felt free and um and I just felt like 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 obviously it was hurting but it's it's yeah you can get to that place that you need to be um and your body lets you as well so my body yeah whatever my mind was thinking my body was like I couldn't yeah I couldn't I couldn't be thinking something um that was tense and my body being relaxed like it's always so linked um and I just never I never connected it when I was running (laughs) yeah can we um can we go back to the race um, the World Cross Country in 2004, you know, one of the reasons you are considered the greatest runner of all time, greatest Australian runner of all time is because of your World Cross Country win in Brussels in 2004. And there's this iconic photo that I love seeing every time someone posts it, um, every time, every now and then it comes up on my phone um, of you cresting this hill. I don't know, I don't actually know what part of the race this is this is at, but you crested the top of this hill. You're in the middle of a pack of a, around 15 um, incredible African athletes and you know who are obviously you know in in the hunt for the win as well. Tell us about what you remember from that race. What what were you thinking? Tell us about your mindset going in. You know, it was your fourth world cross country to date. Um, you you hadn't won a medal yet. Like what what were the expectations and and what were you hoping for? Yeah, like it, yeah, it was so interesting that race because in two thousand and three, the year before, I almost got a bronze medal. Um, and that race just haunted me and just made me like fired up the whole year because. I, you know, I thought I was going to get a bronze medal and I could see these shadows either side of me and um, I went from third to fifth like in a flash and it just, it just annoyed me. And most people would be happy with fifth at World Cross, but it, it just, yeah, it just pissed me off and made me like just I couldn't wait to get to World Cross the next year um, and it probably helped. Like 2003 was one of my best years on the track um, and I got third at the World Half in 2003 as well. So 
yeah, going into 2004, um, I knew I was in really good shape because I had raced Dorada Tulu, who's won Olympic gold um, at 10K on the track from Ethiopia. I'd raced her at a cross country in Japan just before going to Brussels. Um, and she actually asked me if what you know what race I was going to do because in those days there was a short and long course and and I told her I was doing the long course and she she was like pumped because she she was doing the short course and she didn't have to race me and I like for people to say someone to say that to me and I had so much respect for her I was thinking geez if she doesn't want to race me I must be you know running well and it gave me a lot of confidence (laughs) yeah like because I warmed down with her in Japan and and like yeah when she said that to me like I yeah just and I that's the way I used to think like things like that used to give me confidence rather than um, you know, a lot of other um, other ways. But, um, yeah, going into Brussels, when I saw the course the day before and it was it was hilly and muddy and cold weather, raining, like they're all my favourite sort of Perfect. conditions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, like, most people hate that, but I was loving it. And um, I've had the 15 mil spikes that you had to put in with pliers and, you know, put the strapping tape over the middle of the spikes. And, um, yeah, and it was one of those races that, um people were sort of saying I was going to do well but um they weren't saying I was going to come anywhere and um I remember that that fired me up because I'm thinking well I'm, I know I'm in good shape and I never said that I think I can get a medal in any of the press conferences but I knew in my mind that I was going to be up there mm-hmm. um and yeah it was four laps of a 2k course and there was a massive hill at the start of each lap and um and I almost dropped off the pace between four and six K. So that was always where I'd sort of lost contact in some of the races before. Because yeah, they sprint from the start. So World Cross is just like sprinting right from from the gun. Like, you know, some track races go slow at the start, um, but but cross country is not like that. So um, to keep up even to six K is, is awesome or to four K. Um, so I think for me, I really had to focus on getting, make sure, making sure I didn't lose contact between four and six K and then going into that last lap um I felt like the African girls that I was running with there was a few Ethiopians and a few Kenyans um they were sort of like they didn't they weren't as good at at the big hill at the start of each lap so that's where I sort of made my move and I knew if I made a move you can't sort of let them run behind you you've got to sort of get a gap um and that's what I was focused on but I had a big gap um with 1500 to go and it freaked me out a bit but I think I just had so much um, anger built up from the year before when I didn't get a medal yeah and I just I was scared I was running scared though because the year before they caught me at um you know at the end and um but yeah I ended up winning by a long a big margin but it was um one of those races that like sometimes your best races are easy but that was one of my hardest races ever <laughs> so I remember finishing and I was just couldn't yeah I couldn't couldn't walk anymore I couldn't couldn't do anything but yeah but um but something that Obviously, I'm very proud of. I never won another a medal. Like I was in a couple of teams that won bronze medals, but um, I've only ever won one individual medal. And um, I'm so lucky that oh, I'm so glad that I made the most of of that opportunity on that day because um, you just don't get many opportunities like that when you you know really fit mentally, you're ready, um, uh, and a few things go your way. Like it was one of those one of those days that I'll never forget. But very lucky to to have things fall in my place as well. Awesome. Um- I'm interested to know like what it sounds to me like you thrived on a challenge <laughs> like the bigger mm. the sort of bigger the challenge the more you're like oh let me rise to the occasion you know like yeah it's the conditions are you know mm. even harder than normal great let, I relish that you know um with that like what do you think 
what within you is it that helped you to thrive when it was harder? Like, you know, you said that race was actually probably felt harder than some of your other races, but you were still able to, you know, get your best ever results. So what within you helps you to thrive when it's hard? Yeah, I just think sometimes um, some people don't like, um, don't, you know, when when, when conditions or um, think like races get hard, um, some people sort of shy away from it. And um, I almost think it's my advantage because I'm, I'm sort of ready for it and I'm ready for ready for anything. And um, I think I, I always prefer, yeah, I, I never prefer to sort of do races where um, I'm the best person in the race and people are trying to beat me. So I'm always, I always like being the underdog and, um, but yeah, but certainly racing in, in adverse weather. Um, and it's one of those things that I think within me, I, yeah, I just, I just want to, I want to prove to myself and um, first of all, but like just prove that, that I can do it. And, um, and it's probably one of those things that, um, yeah, I don't like things being easy. I've always, I've always sort of done hard things. And I think it's one of those things that it came out in my races, like the easier the setup was in the race for me, um, probably the worse I ran. I was always better when I had really hard competition. Um, and you know, those top level races, I never raced as well domestically in Australia. So I think I, I liked being in Europe and, or in America and, and, um, and racing in unknown places and, uh, and, and sort of even people I raced, um, you know, if, if their times that they've done on paper were a lot better than mine, a lot of girls I used to beat at World Cross, they had a lot faster 5K, 10K times than me on the track. Um, that didn't bother me. I was sort of up for the challenge and mentally, uh, mentally I'm all, I was always ready for it and I quite liked, uh, like I enjoyed racing people that, yeah, that I knew were better than me, but I always gave myself a chance um, and, and it always came out in cross country. Yeah. Um, that's so cool. And I, I think there's heaps to learn from that too, because it's like so often, like we have a choice when things are challenging, right? A choice as to whether we kind of embrace it with arms open, move toward it, or whether we pull back and sort of, you know, look for, you know, we can use it as like, oh, look, you know, it was never going to be a good day because the conditions weren't right or whatever, you know, and it sounds mm-hmm. like you, it was just so part of who you are to just go, great, harder the better, like bring it on, <laughs> let me yeah. lean in even more, which, you know, that's an amazing um, insight and, and quality mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. that you have. Um, I was wanting to know too, and, you know, maybe this relates to that race, um, but potentially more broadly to your career, like, what was your why for running? You know, what what drove you? What were you kind of searching for um, throughout your career that kind of um, was able to be expressed in those times? Yeah, look, I think it was um, all about improvement. Um, mm. So, you know, I didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't about winning um, more so, but, um, but I loved improving on what I'd done before. Mm. Um, so, and I loved think like, I love, I, I don't know. I love thinking about stuff in races as well. Um, but yeah, I think I think it was is about improving on what I could do, and that's why you know I always loved the marathon so much um, because every race you do, it's a bit different. Every prep's a bit different, um, but it, it's about sort of getting it all together, and um, and that's what yeah, like it's more about yeah improving myself and and how much how much can I get better? And I know you know when I was seventeen, I had a choice between hockey and athletics um, because I was in sort of national squads for both of them and um for me it was so much more rewarding being in um in middle distance running and 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 just sort of seeing what you could do um and and where you can get to and I think that's probably the biggest thing for me um rather than you know records or or places or anything like that um and that was always always something that I think 
favoured me in cross country um, and something I loved about the marathon um, and uh, and what I love about coaching as well. So I think that's yeah. sort of one thing that's carried me through the whole way. Yeah. yeah, and you're obviously, as you said, you're a coach now for for Lace Up Running up there in Queensland and yeah. do lots of online programs and um, coaching Lindsay Flanagan, um, mm-hmm. professional female athlete on the marathon circuit, won the Gold Coast Marathon uh, this year, which was really exciting. What um, what sort of things do you pass on to, to your athletes and that you have learned um, through your running? What are the most important things that you've that you've learned through your own career that you that you've been able to pass on to, to athletes like Lindsay and, and and your other crew? Yeah, look, I, I coach a lot of people, um, and it's one of those things that everyone's different, um, and everyone responds to different sorts of training and different sorts of races. Um, but I think the biggest thing, um, especially with elites that I coach, so I only coach a few elites; they're mostly rec runners. Um, but with the elites um, and, and and across the board, um, it's one of those things that. Um, you know, it's about holding back a lot of the time. So a lot of people um, always want to push hard. And I was the same when I was an athlete. Um, and, you know, you always want to sort of go to the next level all the time and every every week. And um, it, it, it's a big thing with recovery and, and pulling back a bit um, and altering things. Um, but I think a big thing with, co- with athletes um, and, and people that I work with is is picking something that you're really excited about and letting them sort of decide their goals and helping them. Um, work towards what they what they really want to do and a lot of it is they have to own own their program and I'm sort of just filling in a lot of the pieces and um, and just helping them you know helping them enjoy the journey along the way because I tell them as well like and this relates back to my career if you're not enjoying it and um, and you're not having fun um, you'll never run well and run your best um, and so people I work with if they're not enjoying it um, we always look at um, changes whether that's that's a race whether that's some time off um, and that's probably the biggest biggest key message that I sort of learned in my career and look the training's easy to write and a lot of really good coaches know what training to write um, but I think the mental side of the sport and um, and all that kind of thing is probably um, a big thing for me and um, and reflects a lot in my coaching um, oh, and it takes a lot my, of energy. That was my next know. yeah question yeah around yeah. Uh, how much how much um how big is the mental side especially in marathon like how how much of a difference does it make to work on your mental skills and your mental game um in the lead up and also for within the within the marathon event itself oh look i think it's huge and it was one it's one thing that um look i didn't think about as much when i was competing um and, you know, that was early to mid-2000s, um, so a long time ago now. And, um, you know, I really encourage people to, um, you know, if they can, work with someone. But if not, um, it's very important for me to sort of help out in that area. Um, and it's it's anything from, you know, looking at a session and thinking, oh, I can't do this, or um, and not even attempting or, or getting into it and not, not being able to do it. And then it gets people down on that spiral downward um, sort of curve. Um, but it's also, you know, when, when races get tough, like how do you deal with that and how do you sort of get through tough patches and marathoning is all about, um, you know, about, about, about your mental game, I think. Like, I mean, in, in the elite side of marathoning, I think a number of people on that start line can win, win the marathon and win the race. Um, but it's, you know, down to that last bit of, you know, of who can really um, get there and, and not, not even necessarily about winning, but, um, but doing PBs, like, even doing a PB in a marathon is huge um, and you don't get many opportunities. So you've got to like really nail it when you can. 
And that's one thing that, you know, my first three marathons were PBs and then, um, you know, I was never as good, um, which I should have really been improving a bit more, but I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't get there mentally. And, you know, and after um, Beijing Olympics, I didn't do a marathon for four years because mentally I wasn't really in the right headspace. And um, I think that's such a huge part of um, getting getting it together for the whole whole prep, the whole marathon, everything. And, um, you know, I really encourage people to do a lot of work in that area because it's huge, yeah, and I definitely didn't do enough. Yeah, oh, that's that's so insightful. And I'm interested in your your perspective on this is, you know, broadly speaking, what do you see as the difference between a really like optimal mindset to run a marathon? Obviously, it's going to be different for each individual, but, you know, generally what's kind of optimal and what's the difference between like, you know, when mental the mental game's not quite right, you know, what what's what is it? what's the experience of running a marathon like in those two scenarios? And what do you think are kind of the key differences between, yeah, their state of mind was on point versus like, oh, something got in the way? Yeah, look, I think um, it, 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 it can be like um, when you're actually doing a marathon, um, it can be anything from not even like, like, you know, we all feel a bit heavier when we start a race um, and people not even be able to sort of um, get going even in the first 10k um, mentally just just not even being there um, and 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 really getting to the race and um, maybe something hasn't gone quite right in the prep but you're still sort of very fit um, I think that's sort of a big a big component um, and being able to sort of um, think about all the work you've done and not just one tiny bit that tiny one tiny bit that hasn't gone right and some people focus on those negatives too much um and that brings that comes out in the race when they don't don't run quite as well i mean we've seen people run phenomenal um when they haven't been quite right like kelly holmes um at london uh at uh, sydney olympics almost pool ran her whole prep and um still ran fantastic over, over 800 but you know it's one of those things that um yeah mentally i think um it, it that's that's huge is is not dwelling on one tiny negative and bringing that into the race um and i found i find that's that's an area that um, I've really got to help people a lot when I when I coach and work with them um, to sort of really and, and another thing is is weather as well and look weather weather is hard um, but you know being able to adjust like mentally adjust plans um, so you've got one thing you want to do like you might want to break three hours and if it's going to be unexpectedly hot you know maybe we have to change change something um, so mentally I think it, it's very hard or, or do you still go for it and you know you know, it's one of those things that I think um, it's, yeah, it, it's tough, the mental game. And there's so many different scenarios that look, look, I learn, I can learn so much from you guys um, on it as well. And I'm, I'm learning a lot with it. But um, yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing is dwelling on those tiny negatives. Mm. And even that negative, like someone that misses their gel or misses, misses a drink stop and thinking that's going to derail their whole race. Um, yeah, I think that's sort of one of the things that that over, overcoming those sort of things um, and, and running running on well um, is yeah. is very hard to do um, if you're not sort of in peak mental condition. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, and a kind of related question um, would be knowing what you know now, like with your incredible experience as an athlete, but then also as a coach, like how do you think about success as an athlete? You know, if you were to define success for, you know, for yourself looking back um, or for maybe, you know, an athlete you're working with, how would you hope that they think about, you know, their definition of success? 
Yeah, look, for me and looking back now, success to me is consistency um, and um, and being able to consistently perform well. And look, we'll all have those days where we don't. Um, but for me as an athlete, I think I had some very, very awesome um, runs um, and some fantastic races, but I had a lot of very bad races that weren't even mediocre, like really bad. Um, and so, yeah, consistency is something that um, I think is is huge in, in marathon running, but across the board. And um, success to me, I would like to go back and, and be more consistent um, with 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 a lot of my races and um, and maybe had um, had drawn out my career a little bit longer as well. Um, mm. But um, but yeah, for me, yeah, I tended to sort of lose it mentally sometimes in races uh, too quickly, and then you know your body just doesn't react and you can't run as well sort of in the last half of whatever race you're doing. And um, that's what I sort of look at with my athletes that I work with. And, um, you know, consistent results are always going to sort of lead you to the, to, to where you need to go. Um, but taking big risks is, is important as well and calculated risks. So it's one of those things that, um, you know, that's that's a huge part of it. But, um, yeah, but I think I could have been a bit more consistent. Um, and I was at cross country, but probably not across the other um, terrains. And, yeah, and no, I sort of, think about that a lot with people and look I'm um, talking about Karen McCann and um, you know brilliant friend of all of us and um, brilliant marathoner and she was absolutely consistent and um, I remember her races and um, you know I mean obviously that Commonwealth Games in 2006 marathon but um, but so many of her marathons like it's so hard to be consistent mm-hmm. um, and you know it's just one of those things that um, yeah I, I view that as success um, but as well as as being able to take risks um, and calculated risks as well because there's some people that then they're not game enough to take a risk too and I think that's very important um, in um, across across the board with elites or rec runners um, in what they do and you know and that risks is is a breakthrough you know and that's always a big risk um, but it's one thing that you've got to you've got to do um, to get those amazing results yeah. uh, as well yeah. one of my favorite memories of your I think it was Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was one of your last races, um, London 2012 Olympics, mm-hmm. and you'd obviously been injured in the lead up, hadn't run much um, in the past mm-hmm. month, um, and got to London and fourth Olympic Games, and mm-hmm. um, you know did your absolute best. And I remember watching the last few kilometers of of the race, and it, it wasn't a great day for you result wise, mm-hmm. but. I remember watching you fight it out to the finish and then watching the interview after and, um, you know, just saying that there was no way you were going to stop, you know, there was, mm. there's, there's, there's a pride in and an honour in wearing the green and gold and, um, you know, you were going to finish that race and knowing that it could be one of your your final races and just bookending your career like that was incredible and still inspires me. Mm. My voice is shaking <laughs> as I say it because I still I still think about that moment because, um, you know, obviously again it wasn't it wasn't one of your your best days results wise, but it showed the fierce. It still showed the fierce competitor that mm. we all know and love about B. And um, and you know, on one of the biggest stages, and and wearing the the green and gold, and and representing your country, and um, yeah, I was, I've been so lucky to, I guess, be um privy to to most of your career. You know, we met in nineteen ninety eight when I was yeah. 
I think one of the youngest on the world juniors team and you took me under yeah. your wing. We were we were roomies in on the bunk, yeah, that's in the funny, bunk yeah. beds in um uh at the pre-camp before the world yeah. junior champs and um yeah just loved and admired you ever since and um yeah I think you're gonna be an incredible coach you are an incredible coach and um yeah super inspired by you and again there's been so many people that have had conversations with me this week around um how gracious and honoring you have been of of Sinead and um and yeah and honoring and respectful of of all the other women and encouraging as well of all the other women in in the distance running community right now so mm. thanks for all you've done thank you for all you're doing and um yeah thanks for coming on the potty thanks l and look i I love watching, yeah, watching your career and I would love you to have a crack at that Australian record. So um, watch this space and, yeah, and you're you're one of those people that is consistently smashing the marathons. Um, you're going so well and, you know, it's one of those things that, yeah, I um, I live my life, live my um, social life and uh, social running life through you guys and I just, yeah, it's <laughs> exciting, yeah, following your journey, following your training and, yeah, and, um, look, I, yeah, I love to see it. So, um, yeah, I just want to see you keep going and, um, yeah. It's, it's awesome. But I, yeah, yeah. Look, I had so many great memories um, with you and such a long time, but um, yeah, it's one of those things that life keeps moving on and yeah. yeah. And have so happy to be a mum and um, yeah. And all that sort of um, stuff that surrounds being a mum, pretty yeah. exciting and yeah, but um, no thanks. It's so, lovely words. And um, the thank you for sharing so openly about your experiences. You know, I caught so much there, you know, I think, I think a real insight from you is your the fact that you held that record for 16 years mm. and mm. I think that shows us what's possible when we're willing to really embrace a challenge mm. and be mm. free you know run free and allow ourselves to take a risk and allow ourselves to turn any any difficulty or challenge into some sort of fuel I feel like you mm. you managed to do that it was something that's like part of who you are is that the bigger the challenge the 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 more you grew the more you leaned in and I think that's you know that's something we can all learn from and try to do more of is go okay this is this is harder than I thought it would be or this is not what I thought it would be like this is what I'm here for you know mm-hmm. let me embrace it and but doing so in a way where you're not judging, you know, it's it's sort of mm. not lost on me that your best performances were when you were purely just in the moment competing, mm. rising to the challenge as opposed to judging yourself for how well or not you're going. Mm. Um, and I think if we can find our own way to have that freedom of just being fully committed to the thing we're doing at the time, then amazing things are possible. And I really mm. think that, you know, the fact that you, you've proven that because I think that day you proved to yourself what was possible for you over those 42.2 kilometers without obsessing over like, I'm going to run this time, you know, without Mm. thinking, am I on track? Am I on track? But by purely saying yes to the challenge that was in front of you and, um, and, you know, and allowing your potential to be expressed. So um, that's Mm. inspiring. And I think it's encouraging because we all have a choice as to how we respond to hard things. And I think the Benita Willis way of responding is is one we can we can all it's seek to emulate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's epic. Uh, thanks, guys. Yeah. Oh, look, it's just one of those things that um. Yeah, I think it's just it's built in me, and um, yeah. But um, but I love helping people, and if this can help someone um, out there, it's fantastic. Great. Right. Thank you so thanks much. Thanks so much, Fee.
Thanks, guys.